understand the next time you play your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome to episode three of Meet Us at Molly's. You know, I consider myself a little too old to use the word lit in conversation, but I feel like tonight's episode is going to be rather lit. So uh, as always, I am Gina. I'm here with my co-host, Bryna. Yeah, guys, I have my bo- I have my bottle of wine. Literally, I have a whole bottle right here. It's, it's going to be a doozy tonight. It is. And Miss Ashley? I'm ready. So ready, so ready. All right, so as always, we are going to start off with the news. Um, I think the biggest piece of news this week was that we finally got the Chicago PD promo for 501. Um, Brian, hallelujah. You're the one, yeah, hallelujah. You're the one who sent this out in the group text, so I'm going to let you just, like, lead the way. Go ahead. Okay, where do we even start? Okay, first of all, I think the biggest thing, I mean, it's only like a 15 second promo. So like, really, you don't get to see a whole lot. But I mean, the biggest thing that I think Twitter kind of blew up about, like as soon as it was released, is that Jay, our precious Jay, is being accused of shooting a little girl. And I mean, you know, you even see after like, Jay is like breaking down crying. And I mean, none of us are going to be able to handle that when it actually happens because once we even saw it in like higher quality like yesterday I was like oh my god this is this is too much guys like can't handle this but I mean I also think the biggest thing that the promo kind of shows is like it kind of shows a lot about what you know Rick Eid and like everyone else has been talking about in interviews was this like tension between you know the community and the police and kind of intertwining of politics into these cases and I mean they've talked a lot about how that's going to be a really big focus and I mean even just from the 15 seconds like I could feel that tension there between like the community and the police and so I think that's gonna be really interesting to see how that plays and how that intertwines into all these cases so besides Halstead getting shot or shooting being accused of shooting <laughs> not Halstead did not get shot guys oh Brian is starting panic within the fandom <laughs> he did not get shot but he's being accused of shooting a little girl I mean that's the biggest plot line that's coming out of this. Yeah. And I mean, other takeaways I took from the promo, just there's like a crack in his voice when he looks at Voight and he's like, you're saying I shot that little girl. Right. And then, I mean, not only is he crying, but he's at med and he's being consoled by Will because that's what big brothers do. And just, it was like a nanosecond of a clip, but it was enough of a a clip to just set Twitter on fire. So mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting first episode. I can't wait. We're only, what, two weeks away? So. Yeah, less than two weeks. Two weeks from yesterday. Well, oh Wednesday. We're recording on Thursday, so Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's coming up so quickly. So quickly. So excited. Yes. So that'll be, it'll be an interesting episode for sure. And I agree with you about showing the conflict between police and the public. I just, and we're going to get into this in tonight's episode for sure, because we're talking about PD 423. But you know, I feel like the game is going to be stepped up a little bit with, you know, they're trying to reflect what's really going on in Chicago this year. So I think that'll be really good. Right. And also just, I mean, playing off of the tension from what we're going to talk about later in 423, you know, I mean, Voight was so close to losing the unit. I mean, you know, with, and that's why the whole thing with Aaron happened, which again, we'll talk about later, but like, you know, he was this close to losing it. So like, you know, I'd be curious to see if he's, any more cautious because of that or if he doesn't change his Hank Boyd ways and he continues to cross a line like we saw in the poster from last week so it'll it'll be it's gonna be a really good season I 
my like my hopes are high this year, for this season. Same, same. So, um, in other news, we also got the episode descriptions for. 501, 502 of PD, and 602 of Fire. Um, Ashley, you're the one who sent those out in the group text, so take it away. Okay. Chicago PD's first episode, the team is under investigation and being watched by the city, and then they attempt to bust a gun deal that turns sideways when Sullivan's and children get involved, and Halstead is a key suspect. And then episode two is called Promise, and it's a young Latino woman is murdered, and Antonio is loading the case, leading the case, and they end up in a meat processing place and find a different motive and about the lady's death. And then in Fire, they Bowden makes Casey and Severide investigate the fire at the schoolhouse, and we find out Malch is alive. And is doing a challenge called the Firefighter Muster. And then Kid settles in her new living space and questions the intentions of Hope, which is Brett's friend. All right, a couple things here. So 502 is an Antonio episode. Yes, yes, please, yes. I'm ready for yes. that. I'm so happy he's coming back. So happy. Um, 602, like you said, Ashley, obviously Mouch is alive. That's what the uh, synopsis said. So that's interesting. Um, they've made it quite obvious that Stella and Severide are moving in together. Um, also, the whole thing with Hope and Severide just bugs the crap out of me. But we're going to get to that in about two points here on the outline. So, um, yeah. Ashley, did you have any interesting takeaways from the episode descriptions? No, just that Mouch is alive, and then we're getting an Antonio episode, which I'm excited about. So excited. So excited. Oh, so Yeah, so, so I think yeah. I'm really curious, you know, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, the Mouch episode, the fact that Mouch, like, they made a point in this description, like, I mean, Ashley and I, that was our biggest thing last week was, you know, being like, we're sure Mouch is dead. Like, we're, we're sure it's Mouch. Like, he's gone. Like, he's dead. So, like... I guess I'm going with Gina's theory now that it's Canel because, like, based on all the promo pictures and everything that we've seen, like, I have no reason to think it's anyone else. So, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. Yeah, and something I had noticed that I thought I had caught on to, but then you guys told me uh, I hadn't, was in the episode descriptions for these recent episodes, you know, it had Randy Flagler as guest starring. Randy plays Cap, of course. And I thought that was interesting, but you guys tell me that he's always listed as guest starring. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so maybe I didn't catch on to anything. Maybe I had. I don't know. Um, was he inside? I can't even remember if he was inside. I don't think no, he was. No, he and Tony are outside. Okay, well, scratch that theory. Gina's just throwing things around again. Um, anyways, so another thing we got, we also got the promo pictures for episodes 501 and 601. Um, there's nothing too noteworthy in there unless you like Halstead and sunglasses because there's plenty of that. Um, we'll tweet those out tomorrow <laughs> or we'll tweet those out later today because you guys will be listening to this on Friday. So you guys can take a look and uh, tweet us back with your reactions. Um, another big scoop that came down this week, there was a TV line article. I think it was another one of those Ask Osiello's with Michael Osiello. And yeah. there was a question asking about a scoop on Severide. And the most telling thing in there was that Derek Haas said that he is, quote unquote, 
back to his bad boy ways, which means the circle of Severide continues. It's, it's a like circle the Bermuda Triangle. of life. And Severide it's- sleeps with them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Bermuda Triangle, but like a thousand times worse. It just keeps repeating itself and it never resolves itself. And it begs the question, was the Anna storyline for nothing? I'm really starting to think that it was because like, I think when we texted about it, like, I don't remember if it was Ashley or Eugenia that sent it in our group text, but like, my first reaction was literally like, fuck this. Like, we're really going back here again. This is season six. Like, why do we have to start out with him completing the circle yet again? Like, I, w- I really caught on to the Anna story at the end when I really thought like, I mean, you could t- clearly see that Severide had changed. I mean, we talked about this in our first episode, but like, if it was all for nothing in the end, like, what was the point of even having Anna in the first place? Like, why couldn't we have saved that till it actually would have done something for Severide and changed him as a person? Like, I, I still can't believe we're going back here again. I really thought Anna was going to, like, or the aftermath of Anna's death, like, was really going to change something. I can't even believe we're going back here again. Of course we are, because it's a circle, and the circle never ends. It's a Just circle of life. Circle round of and round we go. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, anyway, so that's the Severide scoop, as in absolutely nothing has changed. Uh, another piece of news we got this week, there was a Hollywood Life interview with Miss Tracy Spridakos. I think I said that right. Uh, she plays Optin on Chicago PD, of course. Um, Ashley, why don't you give us a few points on that? She was talking about Sophia's departure, and she said, as far as as far as Lindsay's de- departure goes, she's just letting everybody go through their own process of her being gone. Her being gone is definitely felt by everybody. And she said, they have the same kind of values in policing. They kind of do the sa- things in the same way, and they make a good team. Oh, she's talking about she and Jay, about right? her and Hall. Yeah, her and Hall said, and they make a good team, and there's not a lot of buddy, butting heads, so they get along really well. Okay, I'll say this right now that I feel the same way about Haley and Jay that I did about Jay and Nat. That like the minute they kiss, I'm out of here. Like <laughs> I'm just gonna drop the remote and leave the room. Like I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not here for this at all. And this is one of those things where I really hope all the things we've read about Rick E not being into ships and stuff like really comes into play because I, like you said, you know, like if they kiss, I'm done. Like, I mean, I'm not done because I love PD, but like I'm done emotionally. Like there's no way, like why? Like why can't she, if she's going to be in a ship, that's fine. But why can't she be involved in someone that is not Jay? I think if we're actually going to see a lot of Ricky, like, I hope there's a little more character development. But if we're going to see that, Halstead is the prime candidate this season. Like, Halstead or Busk. So why? I Yeah, I really hope they don't put that together. And never mind that if they do cross that line, it's going to perpetuate the notion that Halstead hooks up with all of his partners, which makes him just like Roman in season two. So it also let's... is not going to help his boy his relationship with Boyd because he's going to like you said it's going to perpetuate this notion that all Jay does is hook up with his partners and then Boyd's going to be like well I guess Aaron wasn't special I guess my quote unquote daughter wasn't special to you and Jay's going to be like no that's not the case and it's just be like oh so frustrating 
Right, right. Ashley, were you going to say something? No, I just agree. I don't want them together either. No, I don't. I, I really don't. And plus, I i mean, I personally feel like Halstead is always on a rough path with Voight. I still have this theory deep within me that Voight doesn't really respect him. And I know that's been debunked over the past couple seasons, thank God. But I still kind of hold on to that. So I feel like dating Upton would not service him at all. It would not help him in any aspect. That's nope, not, not to at say, all. Yeah, not at all. And that's not to say Upton is not awesome. Uh, Upton is awesome. Um... I watched the episode before the finale in preparation for this episode, and she's an awesome partner. Just partner. Keep it partner. Like, I know what you're thinking, writers. Don't go there. Please. Um, Hook up with anyone else, just not Jay. Anyone else. Water. Yes. Water needs a love interest. Hook her up with him. Please. Please, please. Atwater needs a ship. Hashtag give Atwater a ship 2017. That's all we're asking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, anyway, so also we got a Hollywood Reporter interview with John Seda this week, which was nice. Bryna, what did he say there? Um, so he said a lot. Um, I mean, you know, he kind of talked about a little bit on about his time on Justice and, you know, his reaction to when he heard Justice wasn't coming back. You know, he said, you know, he doesn't look at it a failure. They just didn't get a second season. Um, but he really, you know, he talked about positively about his time on justice you know he said it was kind of really soon after like the same week that he heard back from producers about coming back to pd um you know he talks a little bit about the changes you know with his character in the unit and you know the dynamic with Voight. you know about how that's always been like a yin and yang type thing and you know he talked about Bretonia, which i thought was interesting he's like my initial reaction was wow i didn't see that coming um, and it wasn't something he would have thought of, but that it actually kind of turned out to be the beauty of it and that, you know, he loves working with Kara and that, you know, he doesn't give up hope of there being rekindling for Bretonia. So I think that's, you know, going to excite a lot of fans if they ever do come back. Right. Have I mentioned I'm excited that he's coming back? Because I'm excited that he's coming back. Oh, my God. Um, I'm so excited he's coming back. I We're going to talk about this next week when we do our wish list. But, you know, I really... I kind of hope he gets a little bit better than I feel like he got treated when he before he left PD. Um, but I'm still I I love John Sade and I'm so excited he's coming back. Well, I remember one of the things that I had said when he went over to Justice. I was like, maybe now he can get the screen time that he deserves. And I will be honest, you know, after the pilot of Justice, I was a little turned off. So what I did catch did not really indicate that he got that screen time. So. Maybe coming back will give him exactly that. I hope so. He has room now to be, like, top three. You know, it'd be him and Voight and Jay, like, in terms of PD characters of importance. So, I mean, he deserves it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there was another note in there that said that this season his daughter's coming to live with him. So that'll be in that interview. But, yeah, definitely. We've definitely read that somewhere. Yeah. So that'll be great. We'll get to see a little bit more of Antonio as a dad. And if Brett's coming back into the picture, which we've heard she might, we'll get to see her interact a little bit. So that'll be good. That'll be good. So there was also an interview that dropped today, today being Thursday, because you guys will be listening to this on Friday. There was an interview that dropped this week with Eric LaSalle. He once was on ER a long time ago, and now he has made a career for himself directing. And he kind of talks about moving into the Chicago universe and, you know, becoming a director and living in Chicago. 
And one of the biggest things that he mentions in there, which I think is really great, it's just kind of a little note, and we'll post this on our Twitter page, but he mentions that, you know, since he's become a director, he's hired more female directors, and he touches on diversity in Hollywood, and it's just a really good article. It was a really good read, so we'll post that on Twitter so you guys can check it out. And the final bit of news is a bit of a surprise. We have not announced this on Twitter yet, so we're going to announce it right here on the pod for the first time. Bryna, go ahead. Yeah, so... Meet us at Molly's. We'll be going to the Chicago Heroes event um, that OCE Productions is putting on um, March 3rd, 3rd and 4th. 4th. Yeah. Yeah, in Chicago. We'll be covering it. You know, we're not sure who we're going to get to interview, but we're going to do some interviews. We're going to go, you know, cover it and bring you guys, you know, like you guys were there. If you're coming, let us know. We'll eventually maybe do a meetup or something like that. But we're so excited we're gonna get to go oc has been really great to work with and so we're we're really excited that we get to go we are so excited we'll be doing a couple bonus episodes uh we will be at the party at lottie's that saturday night sunday night saturday night saturday night saturday we will be at the party at lottie's so we're psyched and there will be more information as the con approaches i'm sure we've got about six months before that happens but (laughs) we're thrilled we cannot wait to see you um yeah, it's 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 exciting. It's really exciting. So, yay! The countdown is on. So the countdown is on till March. Oh my goodness! Uh, so surprise! Yeah, um, that's the last bit of news we've got. Like it, it's been a busy week, but that's because we've got less than two weeks now until the season starts. Two weeks from right now, we'll be watching Fire or getting ready for Fire. Yeah. Holy so, crap! That's crazy. I know. Doesn't it feel like just yesterday the finales aired and we were just texting each other like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, it's been a long summer too. It's been it a really, really long has. summer. But now we're we're two weeks away, so it's exciting. It's so exciting. So we'll see. Yeah. Oh, we should also mention we got a pretty awesome shout out yesterday. Yesterday being Wednesday, um, we got such an awesome shout out from the one and only Derek Haas. Um, if you have not seen on Instagram yet, he posted a picture in Chicago with Jesse Spencer, Taylor Kinney, and Eamon Walker, and. Ordinarily, it would just be another picture of them, but the caption said that he had gathered a couple friends around to listen to Meet Us at Molly's. It made our day. Um, So it was just worth mentioning. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for the shout out. We appreciate it. Um, Please come on the show. The invite's still open. Yeah. Please come on the show. We will pay you on peanut butter Um, M&Ms. We love you. Seriously. That was so great. We love you. It made our morning. Thank you so much for listening. So... With that said, I think we will move into the meat of tonight's episode. So, as Bryna chugs her wine, which you cannot see, but we are here to talk about <coughs> the Chicago PD finale. You okay there? <laughs> we are here to talk about the finale of Chicago PD, season four, episode 23, entitled Fork in the Road. You guys, if you saw our outline, wow. It's going to be a very, very interesting discussion. So, Just like our discussion of the Chicago Fire finale last week, we have this broken down by storyline. Not necessarily chronologically, but it's kind of by the different elements that occur. So, we will start off with a quick recap of Season 4, Episode 22, which was entitled Fork in the Road. Um, Bryna, you put together the most of this outline, so go ahead and start us off with what happened in Army of One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Fork in the Road, which is the title of 423, starts kind of as 422, which is Army of One, ended. And it we get to see 
you know, Lindsay reporting to the CPD brass, you know, to cancer kind of for her actions that it happened in 422. So we even get a, this is the rare, we don't usually get to see what happened in the last episode, but we do get a flashback in case somehow people forgot that, you know, she shoved a gun in someone's mouth. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it starts. And, you know, you know, she kind of, in this meeting, she's talking about, you know, she insists that the boy who died as a result of the things that happened in 422 is the only victim in the case and that she doesn't regret what she did. But clearly that's not what the board wants to hear. And so they take her badge and kind of depending, pending the decision, you know, that will be made after they have interviews with the rest of the unit. So. So if we backtrack to the start of that episode, uh, there is a Linstead moment in here. That's pretty innocent. Uh, Bunny approaches Aaron, gives her a bracelet, Bunny doing weird bunny things. And Aaron brings it up to Jay. So she's talking to him about it. It's a civilized conversation between exes turned friends. There's nothing wrong with it at all. And naturally, so Jay says something to Aaron and Aaron just very respectfully is just like, Jay, I don't need you to give me advice about my mother. And Jay's like, okay. And he walks away. It's so innocent. Somehow Voight sees this and like flips out and he reacts by splitting them up as partners, as partners. He pairs Aaron with Upton and pairs Jay with Alinsky. What the hell? Overreaction much? I think so. Ridiculous. So Voight splits them up, makes them change desks, which is insane. And it's just weird because it's a total overreaction on his part. And, uh, you know, we got, we got an interesting email from, I believe it was our friend Anna on Twitter Anna is somebody we, the three of us, interact with on Twitter quite a bit because she's always got really good thoughts and good discussion points and everything. And something she brought up here was that Hank tends to manipulate Linstead to serve his agenda when it works. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I see where she was going because in this instance, you know, taking it back to what, season three, when Voight gives his blessing, you know, he's kind of saying, go find her so that Jay can bring her back to the unit. And in this instance, he's separating them, I guess, so Lindsay is clear-headed. But still, it just makes no sense because that conversation was entirely civil. I don't know what you guys think about that, but it's weird. I didn't like how Jay got put in the corner of the freaking bullpen. That was <laughs> mean. Nobody, Nobody puts, puts Jay, Jay in the, in the corner. corner. <laughs> yes. Just, just yeah. hashtag that. No, I mean, I mean, Nobody puts Jay in the corner. Yeah, and I think we, I mean, we we had a long discussion. I mean, we but we all rewatched, I mean, we all, I think we all watched Free 20, 422 as well as 423. But, I mean, kind of the way 423 starts is the reactions for everything that happened, in, is the reactions to everything that happened in 422. But in 422, one of the biggest things that we talked about was that, would Aaron be in this situation if Jay was in that room with her? And honestly, I think the only reason Aaron is even in this situation is because Jay wasn't with her. And I think while she certainly is not dependent on Jay, you know, Jay's been someone who's a shoulder for her to lean on through a lot of these times, that, rough times that she's gone through. And it's obviously, it's not exactly easy for her to put her support onto someone, but she's come to a place with Jay where she tends to be more open to it. And, you know, so, like, is it really a coincidence that after Voight splits Halstead and Lindsay up that Aaron loses it in the interrogation room? And, you know, I think I really think that if Halstead hadn't been there, that this wouldn't be happened and that wouldn't have gotten to a point. There would have been a talk. Jay would have been like, yo, Lindsay, like, calm you down. Like, 
you know, he's not worth it. Like, you know, let's move on and let's actually focus on the boy, like who's actually the biggest issue. You know, he's actually who we care about finding. And so basically everything that happens to Aaron as a result in 423 is all Blake's fault. I'll agree with that. Yeah. And uh, the email Anna sent, she said the same thing, that this wouldn't have happened if Halstead had been in the room. And again, this is nothing against Upton. She shows in that episode that she is an awesome partner. She supports Lindsay from the get-go unconditionally. So she's a great partner. It's just that in this instance, she's a little too new to know to reel Lindsay in. Plus, when she's trying to say, you know, Aaron, control yourself, Aaron's telling her to get out. So... Again, nothing against Upton. She's just too new to reel her in. And I agree with all of you that this would not have happened if Jay had been in the room. Um, The other point that I had here is that, you know, I get that she had to shove the gun down the guy's throat to kind of service her arc to help her on the way out. However, they had the prime opportunity here to tell us why Jay gets so worked up about cases with kids. And instead of handing it to Jay, they had Lindsay come up with another story about her past. And it was just that a friend of hers had up and gone missing. Not even that a friend of hers was assaulted. Just that she'd gone missing. Just, ah. It would make more sense for Jay to shove the gun down the guy's throat than it would Aaron. However, with that said, I do see that this had to service Aaron's arc to help her pave the way out off the show. So I get that. But still. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. All of that. Yeah. So scrolling down here. The other thing that I put in the outline here, and this is just a little mark. I've watched this episode maybe two or three times. But after she gets stripped of her badge, after she gets the review board, for some reason, there's a shot of Erin in her underwear looking at the gun. Like, is that really necessary? Why does she have to I did not understand that at all. Yeah. Like, I I I don't get it either. I think the idea is that. They're trying to show that, like, after she's been stripped of her badge, like, she's really at her most vulnerable, and she's really, like, this is the time where she's contemplating, like, what if she doesn't get her badge back? Like, what if she, you know, is no longer police? Like, what is, like, Erin is supposed to be, I think, at her most vulnerable in that moment, but I agree that it's not necessary. I think her just looking at the gun, her, like, if they had interspersed her looking at the gun with more flashbacks of what had happened, you know, right after... She did shove the gun down the throat. Like, I mean, I think there could have been a lot of ways they showed her being more most vulnerable, but that's not it. Her in her brown underwear is not it. Yeah, it's kind of like they chose to show that she's most vulnerable in her underwear. Uh, Yeah, it just, I didn't think that was necessary. I thought that was a little weird because you could have gotten the same effect across with her clothed. With that said, though, Sophia Bush has great abs, but, you know, whatever. Um, I just didn't think that was necessary. So moving on. Let's see. So scroll, scroll, scroll. So let's get into Bunny's case. Frickin' Bunny. Bunny is the gift that keeps giving. And by gift, I mean she's the worst. Um, Literally is- every time she comes around, something always goes to hell. Like always. And I just, we're going to talk about this, but like I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. And this is a testament to Marky Post and how great she is playing Bunny because we just hate Bunny so much. Um, But we love you, Marky. You're great. So uh, after the hearing, she gets stripped of her badge. Lindsay is sitting there in the ivory tower and she gets a phone call from her mother. What I noticed here was that when Aaron answers the phone, Bunny's panicked right from the get go. She's like, oh, my God, where are you? And Aaron's just so casual. She's like, I'm downtown. What? 
which I thought was funny. Uh, so <laughs> Bunny pretty much tells her that, you know, he, whoever this magical he is, is dead. And that's just the start of the episode. And Aaron's like, oh, shit. So something that got me in this scene, this is kind of where this episode starts to kind of throw us all for a loop. Um, Jay, Voight, and Alinsky go to the apartment. They find Johnny Martelli dead or shot in Bunny's bed. And Ruzik, after they're sweeping the scene, Ruzik goes up to Jay and he's like, are you going out of your mind? You know, first you and Lindsay break up and now this. And I think this is where the fandom collectively hit the pause button because we were like, excuse me, hold on a second. Let's just backtrack to the episode where they took a break. Uh, None of us were aware that this was a full on breakup. We were under the understanding that they were on a break, just like on Friends. But okay, whatever, Ruzik. Um, That's what I took from it. Did you guys take this as a breakup? Because I never did. Yeah, yeah. And I think I didn't realize that that was actually set. I don't. I'm trying to remember back in May, like, if I even just caught that, because, like, obviously, the first time you watch things, like, you miss a lot of things, but, like, definitely when we went back and rewatched that, I was like, wait, like you said, Gina, like, hold up, like, I didn't think that, like you said, like, nobody actually thought when that happened, like, five episodes earlier, that they were actually broken up, like, everyone thought it was just Jay taking his time, you know, he needed to recuperate, do whatever, you do you, Jay, you do you, but, like, yeah, I just, like, I wonder, they could have, we're going to talk about this later, but, like, they could have made that whole breakup thing either way more clear or not have had that happen at all. Right, and we never did get official word on whether it was a break or breakup, but the overall consensus just in the fandom and on the internet was that it was a break. And, of course, we can't believe that because everything on the internet is true, right, guys? Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> we're kidding. But... I think the overall consensus was that this was a break. So for Ruzik to come and be like, you guys broke up. We were, it just kind of felt like a slap in the face. Like, wait a second, excuse me. That was not my understanding, but okay. So that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, I think Halstead found a gun behind the stove. That was kind of pertinent to the investigation. This whole case is very twisty turny. It takes a lot of detours. It's a very interesting case. So Um, They get Bunny into an interrogation room and they have the initial interrogation that's pretty much just laying down Bunny's relationship with Johnny Martelli. But there's a couple of moments of comedy in this scene that you've just kind of kind of look for. So there's a moment where Voight points it out to Bunny. He's like, you haven't asked how she's doing. And Bunny just goes, "Okay, fine. How's he doing? And Jay is just so over Bunny's shit. And he goes, or he's been shot in the chest and just says it point blank. And I giggle every single time because Jay is just so over it and he does not care anymore. So I and he also said something about like you call the your daughter and she's not the police. She's not an ambulance or something. Yeah, yeah. Jay is just. It's so great when Jay is over somebody's shit because he just is so kind of bitchy that it's just great. Um, it's always just such good comedy. It's always just such good comedy, and Jesse kills it every time. Like it's really funny because like I don't think anyone would look at Jesse Lee so far and be like, "Oh, yeah, that's gonna be the comedian of the group right there." But like every time he gives, he's given like a little bit of like comedic timing. It he, he nails it every time. It's always so funny. Those are always so some of, like great. my favorite moments. Oh, so great. So great. So uh, that 
you know, that scene just kind of establishes the relationship between Bunny and Johnny. Of course, Bunny thought Johnny was the one because Bunny's going to Bunny, whatever. So there's an interesting side note here. You know, Voight ends up going to his social club, social club, quote unquote. I don't know about you guys, but I hear social club and it just sounds so sketchy, so sketchy. I get that that's kind of like an old time thing, not calling anybody old. I'm just going to dig myself in a hole now. But he goes to the social club and he finds Martelli's right hand man who's basically getting the shit kicked out of him. Um, there's a little scene here where they're kind of learning, where Voight's kind of learning about the truck robbery and the drugs and everything. And Carmine, who is the old guy who's like super scary, he just kind of adds in a line there. He's like, what you owe us for Justin, you've still got to pay. So if anybody was still wondering about season four, episode one, whether Voight killed the guy or not, I think that's our confirmation that he did. So that mystery is solved. I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, okay. Put that case away. So that happened and scroll, scroll, scroll. So Bunny ends up getting arrested by the FBI. Um, and that will backtrack to kind of fill in that gap of how that whole thing started. But Bunny gets arrested by the FBI and they find drugs in the back of her car because of course they do. And of course, me being the nerd that I am, I see this scene when they take these drugs out of the back of the car and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of chocolate chips. Because, mm. you know, that, that had to be what they used. Yeah, and all yeah it looks like, like white chocolate chips. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So Bunny gets arrested by the FBI and they take her into custody. And yeah, um, yeah. So skipping ahead a little bit, she gets arrested. They take her into custody. Aaron agrees to take this job with the FBI as long as Bunny is let go. And again, we're going to fill in the gaps in a minute, but... This just gets crazy because Aaron agrees to take the job if Bunny is let go because, quote unquote, she gave up the real bad guys, as in Aaron got played by her mother again, again. But whatever. OK, whatever. So and this is just it, again, you know how we have the circle of Severide? This is like the circle of Lindsay, where she just gets played by her mother over and over and over again. And she never seems to learn her lesson. With that said, though, I guess I understand because at the end of the day, this is her mother. So I can see how that's kind of her weak spot. But, grr, whatever. Ugh, Bunny's just the worst. I just wish Bunny could be a good mom. Yeah, and I think something I thought about, you know, is like, I mean, obviously we talked about, you know, the fact that, like, the worst part about this whole thing is that, like, Aaron is letting Bunny slide, you know, again. And, like, I'm sorry, but I don't get it, you know. And I think, like you just said, you know, like, these kind of moments – the circle moments of Bunny, you know, they really show that, like, she's not the best parent. She's not even a great parent. She's not even a good parent. But, you know, like, I think these moments also then showed, you know, maybe except in this episode because we're going to talk about the thing that Hank did. She, he basically kind of sends Aaron out of Chicago, but whatever. But, you know, like, up until this point, you know, Hank's really the only true parent that Lindsay's ever had. You know, he's the one that saved her life when she was a teenager. He raised her. He looks out for her. You know, he loves her like she was his own. And, you know, basically everything does Bunny does not do in this episode and has never done, Hank has done for Aaron. You know, it's Hank that Aaron goes to for help. It's Hank that Aaron goes to for encouragement. It's Hank that tries to help guide her in the right direction, even though we might not agree with it. You know, he's not perfect and he's not always right, but he cares. And that's something that Bunny is not perfect and not always right and she doesn't seem to care so I mean I think it it's in these moments when we see Bunny circle that like we also see Hank and his actually like how he is actually Aaron's dad right absolutely absolutely so 
Bunny ends up giving up that, you know, this wasn't just a truck robbery. Johnny told her about the drugs and that she could make $5,000 because Bunny never does anything unless there's something in it for her, which is maddening, but it's something that we've seen over and over again in the past couple seasons. So she also tells Aaron that there were three men involved in the robbery, not two like might have been previously thought. Um, and that is true, actually. There were two men, three men involved in the robbery, not two. But she's still playing Aaron like a fiddle, and it's just maddening. Um, there's a scene where Bunny is in FBI custody, and Aaron just looks at her and just goes, how did we get here? And that's one of those moments, I feel like, I love those moments in shows where you feel like a character is speaking for the whole fandom. And that's one of those moments where she goes, how did we get here? Because really, how did we get here? How did Erin end up falling down this hole with her mother after all she's been through and the growth that she's made? How did this happen? It just sucks. So going on, Void ends up kind of taking this upon himself and he visits Bunny in her holding cell. And this is kind of the smoking gun of the whole thing, because before this scene, he had gone to Bunny's apartment just kind of of his own volition and he found blowback on Bunny's glasses. And it turns out that that blowback and some of Johnny's blood indicates that she's the one who shot him. Um, from a writing standpoint, I love that the glasses were the smoking gun because it's such a small detail that has such a big impact. Oh, I love it. But at the same time, you know, Void is awfully shifty in this episode and we're going to get into the specifics of why. He's awfully shifty in this episode. Um... You know, he's got the ulterior motive of protecting the unit, as he should, you know, as he absolutely should. But, you know, it's just interesting that Aaron's never going to know that Bunny killed Johnny Martelli. She's never going to know. And it's just weird because Chief Lugo kind of gave Voight this ultimatum of, you know, it's either Lindsay leaves or the unit goes. And Voight kind of found a way to have his cake and eat it, too. I mean, what do you guys think of the whole thing about, you know, how, how Voight handles this? I mean, I think, like you said, I think it's interesting that, like, Voight found a way, because he's Voight, of course he's always going to find a way to, like, make everything good. Like, he's going to find some way to save Aaron and also save the unit. But also, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about this because, like, we know why all these things were, why this whole storyline ended up taking place is because Sophia Bush wanted out. And so it's kind of hard to talk about these things because, like, you know, we can see why this was exactly the way it was, like, written the way it was. And so, you know, I don't know whether it's actually because, like, Voight was trying to save Aaron and save the unit, or if this was just, like, the writers needed a way to get Sophia Bush out of here, and this was the way they came up with. So, like, I'd be really curious to see if, like, we didn't know Sophia Bush was not coming back. Like, what we would be saying about this, like, how our thoughts would be different about this whole storyline of Aaron leaving. Because, like, right now, all it's just, it's just covered by the fact that, like, I can't see it as anything else. But, like, oh, this was the way they chose to get Sophia Bush out of here. So, like, I'd be really curious to see, like, if she was coming back and this was still the storyline they picked, like, how I would think about it differently. Well, we do kind of know how we would feel if we didn't know Sophia was leaving because there was a good, what, three, four weeks between the finale and the announcement that she was leaving that the fandom pretty much said exactly the same thing as they're saying now. We were all just like, what a weak finale. You know, why would they do this again? It's just like season two. Um, only this time we understand that it's because Sophia chose to leave. Um, it's a bummer, but, you know, that's life. So 
an interesting yeah. point. But yeah, no, that's so a good it. point. It just, yeah, I just, like, I guess I can't remember exactly what, it, I mean, I remember being, like, oh, yeah, like, it's definitely, you know, Aaron's coming back, and I don't know what they're going to do, but, like, Aaron's definitely coming back. But, like, I don't remember otherwise, like, what I would, like, had we done this podcast, you know, back then and, like, been discussing it the way we, like, are discussing it, I don't know how, what I would have thought about how that went otherwise besides the fact that oh Aaron's definitely coming back so it's just interesting to think about like how that cloud how that's going to cloud everything from here on out absolutely absolutely so um Bryna you had the next point in the outline go ahead and tell us about that what about Linstead are we moving the on worst Linstead? part the worst part about Aaron Oh, yeah. I mean, just the fact that, like, Aaron lets her slide, like, again. And, I mean, I, like we said, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. Like, I, I don't get it. I, I will never get it. I'm really curious, though. Like, I just thought about this. Like, I wonder, do you guys think now that Aaron's gone, if we're, are we ever going to see Bunny again? Yeah, I don't think so. Unless she wants to make Voight's life hell. Because, you know, she, she and Voight have some history. But right. I think other than that, we won't see her. Which is kind of a bummer because, like you said, I mean, Bunny, as much as we hated her, like, they were always good storylines. And, like, we hated the fact that she came back and ruined Aaron's life. But she, they were always really good storylines and they were always such good acting. And, I mean, so it's kind of a bummer that Bunny's not coming back. But I guess, I mean, I wouldn't expect her to come back. But, like, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, presumably she'll just follow Aaron to New York and make her life hell there. So I guess that'll be Olivia Benson's problem bummer true yeah true so that's interesting I thought it was interesting because you put in the outline you know the worst part is that Aaron's letting her slide again and this completely contradicts something that Aaron said earlier in the episode when they released Bunny from interrogation the first time the first thing Aaron says to Voight is that I don't want her to get away with anything anymore so you make the deal with the FBI that you'll take the job in exchange for her going free okay that doesn't add up at all yeah fucking bunny (laughs) fucking bunny hashtag fucking bunny (laughs) go Um, hop away she needs to go hop away (laughs) (laughs) that's so great (laughs) i love that uh, another interesting point you know so Lindsay says you know i don't want her getting away with anything more um and Voight kind of lets Bunny slide here, too, by throwing away the glasses at the end. So you would think both of them would be so fed up with Bunny's bullshit that they'd finally want to hang her up for the stuff that she's done. But Voight, you know, confronts her about the glasses and then throws the glasses away. So I guess, you know, he's destroying evidence first off, which is, you know, not good. But it just kind of, you know. But such a Voight thing to do, though such a void thing to do i feel like all of these things are like they're not okay to do unless you're void in which case it's like mm, he had his reasons so you know it does kind of circle back i had to think about this a little bit because at first i was like this is just so fucked up but it circles back to how you know void is always looking to protect Lindsay, and aaron is kind of his achilles heel so if the glasses became evidence in this case the case would go south and you know aaron wouldn't take the fbi job and hank would be in the original bind of you know is it aaron or the unit so i get that but you know i think it's just sad that hank and aaron ended up letting bunny slide again and i guess it's just it kind of shows how manipulative bunny really is but like you said ashley or brian i'm sorry like you said you know we We'll probably never see her again. So 
It's crazy, but we'll see. So moving on, I guess we now have to touch on Jay, Aaron, and the ring. I just like to point out. Drunk enough. I just like to point out that in our outline, I created the outline the first time. I literally just wrote in all caps, Jay, Lindstead, and the ring. There was no other qualifiers needed for this. I mean, we all knew what we were talking about. And I think something I thought about was that, like, back in May, like, based on how kind of the last few episodes of season four went for PD, I kind of knew coming into this episode that it was, I thought it was going to be Lindstead-centric. But naturally, I kind of assumed that it was going to be Jay and Aaron getting back together or coming back from their break or whatever. But clearly, that wasn't the case. And I thought the same thing because Marina did an interview, I don't know, like a couple weeks before the finale. She was teasing how it was going to be like a Linstead episode. So I was like thinking, oh, they're going to get back together and that's how it's going to end. And like that wasn't the case at all. I'm just over here, like, face-palming. Like, you can't see me, but I'm just face-palming. I'm just, oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Bryna, you did the bulk of the outline. Just take this away. I'm just going to drink my okay. wine. Okay. Okay. I got this, guys. Okay. So, the real part of the Linstead storyline starts when Halstead goes on goes to Chicago Med to check on Johnny. You know, he needs a statement, all that stuff. So, while he's there, he runs into Will. Of course he does. And he asks Will for the key to their mother's safety deposit box because he wants to get their mother's ring out and propose to Aaron. And I think, you know, the way I described it in our outline was, you know, Will thinks he's Cray, but, like, eventually ends up giving Jay the ring. And I know, Gina, you had something that you, we both kind of had this point. Kind of, so when Will's, you know, saying that, like, he thinks Jay is Cray, like, you know, for propose, wanting to propose to Aaron, you know, he says, you know, this girl doesn't want to be saved. And I know, Gina, you had a point off of that, and I did too. And I think my point off of it was that, you know, Will's absolutely right with the whole Aaron doesn't need anyone to, like, save her thing. You know, love's not about saving and the thing. It's about support, you know, and it's about being this, like, rock for someone in this world, you know, that's not always nice to you and, you know, being reminded that you have someone to kind of face all those things with you. And that's Halstead and Lindsay, you know, what that's the support that Lindsay and Halstead have had, and that's what they've been to each other. And so I just think it was interesting that, like, he said this girl doesn't want to be saved, but, like, and sometimes, you know, in some ways I understand where he's coming from, but at the, some, the other times I'm like, but in the same way they did save each other. She didn't necessarily want it, but that's what happened. Yeah, um, y'all, this is the smartest thing that Will Halstead has ever said. Smartest thing Will Halstead has it's ever true. said. It's really true because, you know, on med, I will see Will do things and I'm just like, Will, go stand in the corner. Just stop. So he drops this line and I'm just like, oh my God, like Will is so smart right now. He's just dropping wisdom. So I thought, I, I mean, I absolutely agreed with him in this instance that he does, she doesn't want to be saved. Um, Will did suggest that, you know, Jay put distance between he and Aaron. I disagreed with that a little bit, but it was just so smart of him to say because he was absolutely right. The other thing I loved about this, though, is that, you know, Will did think that Jay was crazy. But with that said, he still supported his little brother, which was good of him. You know, that's, yeah. that's exactly what a big brother does. So, you know, thumbs up there. But you guys, Will was like, that's the smartest Will has ever been in all these seasons of television. Begs the yeah, question. yeah, yeah. And I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the next thing I kind of wanted to bring up to you guys, and this is something I didn't. I mean, when I first, like, obviously when I first watched that, like, Jay was possibly going to propose to Aaron. And I mean, that's kind of something that. 
hangs over kind of the whole rest of the episode was like, you know, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like this isn't really happening. Like, you know, one of my favorite ships, like they might get engaged, like this, this isn't happening. But then like after you kind of, the fan, fangirling stops a little bit, you know, I think about it and I'm like, in this moment with Jay's proposal, like, is Jay being rational or is he being irrational? And I can kind of see it from both sides. So I can kind of see why it's obviously completely irrational for Jay to propose to Aaron, especially because whether they were broken up or they were on a break or whatever you were going to call it, you know, they were still separated at this point. And I understand that, like, Jay loves her, but, like, you could argue that it was too soon after being apart. But also I can see why Jay think he thinks proposing to Aaron in that moment is completely rational because, like, he messed up clearly by taking a break or breaking up or whatever it was. And, you know, even at the time, he thought breaking up was the right thing. You know, he doesn't clearly want to make this mistake again. You know, he knows that he wants to spend the rest of his life with Aaron. And so proposing and making that grand gesture says, you know, I'm going to be here. I'm not going to leave when it gets tough. You know, I'm not going to leave when I can't handle something that's in my own life. I can't. I'm not going to leave when you can't handle something that's your own life. I'm not going to leave when we're going through something together, you know, I'm going to be here and I'm going to let you be by my side. And, you know, and in some ways I'm like, oh yeah, Jay, like that's actually really smart. Like that's a very rational thing. So I kind of want to throw this out there. Like, do you guys think that Jay's possible proposal, like was a rational move on Jay's part or was it an irrational move? I see what he was going for. I think it's totally in character for him to propose like that. I do think it was a little knee-jerk, but that was Jay's way of putting it all on the line. He wanted to be there for her, and he just kind of wanted, he didn't want to do anything little. He wanted to show her big time that, you know, he is here for her. He cares about her. He loves her. It was his version of a Hail Mary pass for a sports analogy there. He was putting it all on the line. So there are two sides of it, and I see both sides. It was a little knee-jerk. However, it makes perfect sense for Jay. Yeah, Ashley, what do you think? I agree. I mean, I know he when he was going to propose, I knew Aaron was going to say no anyways. Because they need to work out their problems before they end up getting married. Yeah, so and I, I also... was going to say no. Yeah, and I also think, had we gotten to see him actually propose and Aaron say no, I agree. I think she would have said no. I think that would have been the... It would have been out of character for her to say yes. Because that is not Aaron. Even though... In season four, we did get to see her become a little more vulnerable when it came to Jay. You know, we got to see them move in together and they say, I love you and all those things. But Erin's first thought is to, like, be her own person and to be her own self. And so I think it would have been completely out of character had she said yes. But, you know, it's just something I think is, like, like you said, Gina, I mean, I think, you know, it was a very knee-jerk reaction for him to be, like, you know, proposal. Like, that's it. Like you said, it was a Hail Mary. But, like... Jay puts his heart on his sleeve and he, you know, like that was him laying it all the line. That was him showing Aaron that he loves her no matter what and that he wants to be with her for the rest of his life. But like now we're not going to get to see it. Still so upset. I know. And this is something I had put later on in the outline, but I'll just scoot it up to now. But do you guys think that if Jay had proposed, would Aaron have said yes? No. No. Like, what do y'all think? No? No, I I, like I was just either. saying, I think it would, I think it was so, it would have been out of character for her. I think, I think had she said yes, that would have been out so out of character. No, I, no way she said, no way she says yes. 
Right. And if you really if you look at her actions in season four, she's relatively passive about her relationship with Jay in the season. Uh, you know, she is not the one who brings up moving in. She doesn't bring it up to him until he brings it up to her. So, you know, he's she's a little passive in the relationship this season. So I feel like if Jay had said marry me, she would have, you know, she would have said no. And she probably would have run away scared. I feel like she would have run away to New York either way. So she wouldn't have said yes. But I do see Jay putting it all on the line. You know, it makes sense for him. That's just how he is. I'm just going to throw a theory out there while we're on the topic. I want her, I know y'all don't want her coming back, but like in the very last episode of like the whole series, I want her to come back just so they can get married. Nope. Because, yeah, yeah I no way. Say that. No way. I mean, I think, and we're kind of, this is kind of a good segue into kind of us talking about Lindsay's future question mark and kind of the whole Sophia Bush leaving aspect of this episode. And so I think, Gina and I definitely talked a lot about why we don't want Lindsay to come back. But I think my biggest thing is I think I don't want it hanging over Jay. Like, as much as I love Linstead, and I do, I I love Linstead. Linstead, I mean, I've mentioned this before. Linstead in my top ten ships of, like, all time, Linstead is number two. That's how much I love Linstead. But at the same time, Erin made this choice. Erin is leaving, and she is going to New York. I don't want it hanging over Jay. Jay, I love Jay so much, and I don't want it, like, he needs to move on if that's what's going to happen. Like, Jay clearly is not going to benefit from a long-distance relationship, and so he just needs to move on. And that can't happen if we always have this thing hanging over with Sophia, which might come back for an episode here or there, or if she even comes back in the last episode. Like, at that point, I hope, by, if PD goes for another, like, five seasons at least, I hope at that point Jay is, you know, happy in whatever form of life it takes him to like no I don't want Sophia Bush to come back and it's not because I don't like Sophia Bush but she made her choice to leave and that's totally fine and I respect it and she has every right to leave but I don't want her to come back yeah absolutely I'm with you Bryna we've talked about this at length I don't want Aaron to come back because it's gonna hurt Jay uh, not to bring up another show, I don't know if you guys have ever seen How I Met Your Mother, but there's a whole episode in there about how people can be on each other's hooks. Jay is on Aaron's hooks. Like, it's just a fact. If Aaron comes back, Jay will drop everything and be on her hook because he loves her that much. So the longer she sticks around, the more it's going to keep Jay from moving on and the more it's going to hurt him. So even if she were to come back for one scene in season five and just tell Jay, I want you to move on, it's going to have the exact opposite effect. He's not going to move on. He's going to be hung up on her. I don't want her to stick around. If you want to leave the only people in Chicago who care about you, who are Hank Voigt and Jay Halstead, then leave. Don't make this any worse or any more painful for them. That's my take. Yeah, and even not even just like Jay aside, like I don't even want her to come back for like Voigt because... I mean, I guess it's it's obviously a very different relationship, you know, father, father, daughter, you know, versus like boyfriend, girlfriend. But like, it's gonna hurt Hank too if she comes back and then just picks up and leaves right again. So like, I don't even want her to come back if it's we don't see her interact with Jay at all. Like, and it's just Hank. I don't even want her to come back on that point. Just like, I don't want her to be mentioned. I don't want her to come back. I, I hope five um, four twenty three was the last we saw of Sophia Bush. I, I, I just do. 
And again, that is nothing, nothing, nothing against Sophia. We love Sophia. No, um, not at all. And I think, like, we've talked, I remember, like, the moment I found out, I texted Gina and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. But one of the first things we both said was that, like, she has every right to leave. That is her choice. She put in her time on the show. Erin Lindsay is a great character. Sophia Bush leaving, I don't think bad of Sophia for any of this. I, I get it. Like, I do. You put in four years on this, and it is your time to move on to something else. But that being said, I hope that the writers aren't stupid enough to be like, oh, we're just going to have Aaron's present kind of like presence hang over the unit for the rest of eternity. That doesn't fly. Right, no, and you know what? When I Now that I think about it, Jay and Hank are not the only ones who need to move on. We as a fandom need to move on as well. She's left. Nope. Life goes on. It's a bummer. It is such a bummer. You guys, the week before she announced that she was leaving, I met Sophia. I was at the One Tree Hill convention in Wilmington, North Carolina. I met her. She's wonderful. We love her. It's a bummer, but it is what it is. Life goes on. It sucks, but, you know. We love her. So My thing about this whole thing is we didn't get no closure for Lindstead, and it just ended like that. Like, yeah. It's just, that's my whole thing. Right. Just, and I, I wanted closure. Right. And I, I mean, Lindstead's so important to me, and so, like, I get it. I want that closure, too. But I think even more important to me than Lindstead, which is hard to believe because Lindstead's up there for me, is Jay. Jay is probably one of my all-time favorite just fictional characters in general like he's definitely in my top five and so for me like Gina's been saying whatever like I just he needs to move on and so like it's not gonna happen if there's even a lingering bit of thing that like Aaron Sophia there's like the possibility that she could come back I, I I'm just ready for us to move on season five like let's do it like let's just move on and get new storylines but also then that being said, I don't know yet if I still, I don't know if I can ever see Jay move on to somebody else either. I don't want him to move on like in the third or fourth episode. I want it to like him oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. little for a while and then like move on. Right. Like, and I don't, and, like, I don't want him, I want him, I want season five to be about Jay finding himself after Aaron. Because his character was so intertwined with Lindstead, you know, I, I want that because I think not only do we need to just learn about Jay and his past and Jay see Jay develop finally but like I want that because I think it'd be such good television so like I wanted to simmer definitely for most of the season five but like after that do you guys think they would ever put Jay with somebody else well I think they would eventually and you know oh, like season break my heart. Line. I mean with what we were saying though that we you know we don't want Aaron to come back and we want it to be like you know we want it to show that life moves on I do want to see Jay kind of heal from all of this because for him to want to propose, that is him being the most vulnerable we have ever seen him be in four seasons of television. That is him being so vulnerable. And so for him to get shot down like that with not even so much as one explanation, I want to see how he heals from that and how he rebounds and moves on. So I do want to see that. I just don't want to see him hung up on Aaron with every decision he makes. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Yeah, it's it's gonna hurt. Absolutely. These first couple these first couple episodes, they're really gonna hurt. If you're a house that it, it there's no way around it. It's just it's gonna be brutal. But that also being said, is like I know we've all talked a lot about this, is like just the way the writers handle it. 
because I'm really going to be mad if it's not handled in the right way. And that's not saying it has to be handled in the way that I think, you know, I pictured in my mind. But, like, there's definitely, like, a way it should clearly be handled. And if it's not handled properly, I'm going to be mad. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course, because, you know, we care about these characters. We want to, you know, we want to see them. And that's why everybody is so vocal and up in arms about this is because, you know, this is a character we really care about, and it just sucks to see him done like this, you know? Or I mean, like, and by done by that, I mean, like, you know, it sucks to see that he was going to propose to her and she just left. It just sucks. But I want to circle Didn't back to- Didn't even answer the phone. I know. I know, girl. I know. Um, <laughs> I do want to circle back. I want to circle back to Voight really fast, what you were saying, Bryna, because now that Aaron has left, Voight has nobody in this world. And that- I think upsets me more than the whole thing about her ghosting Jay because that he's just alone in this world. And that's the saddest thing to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and you know, Voight's not always my favorite, you know, I'm definitely not a fan of all the like sketchy ass things that he does sometimes, but like, like you said, like he's all alone. Like his wife is gone. Justin is gone. Pour one out for Justin. Lindsay is now gone. So his grandkids, yeah, Olive and his grandkid are gone. Like, I mean, they're not gone, gone, but they're not in Chicago anymore. So, like, what is Voight gonna do? And I'm also kind of really curious, and this is something I just thought about. Like, I wonder how that affects, if at all, the way he interacts with the unit. Like, I wonder if we see him leaning on them anymore for support. Obviously, indirectly, because Voight wouldn't ask anybody for anything. But like. I wonder if we just subtly see him, you know, leaning on, especially maybe Olinsky more than Olinsky or Antonio for anything, just because he seems to be closest to the two of them. But like, I'd just be kind of curious to see if that affects at all the way he's interacted with the unit. Because, I mean, you know, yes, he did also help Lindsay, but like he also basically chose the unit over her in a lot of ways. And so, you know, is that going to affect the way he sees his relationship with the unit because he chose them. He chose intelligence. He chose the Chicago Police Department. He chose the city of Chicago. So I'm curious to see how all that interacts and kind of comes together. Yeah, of course. And I had brought this up too, is that, you know, I was curious about him choosing the unit over Aaron because it kind of seemed like he had to do that. But if you consider the alternative where he chooses Aaron over the unit, we kind of have no show. So I get that. It just is kind of, yeah. And it, it was just kind of surprising when Voight did give the list of Bunny's associates to the girl from the FBI and then called Al and was like, oh, she bit. Like, okay, you just chose, Aaron, you just chose the unit over Aaron. But it's like I was saying, he found a way to have his cake and eat it too. And that's why he gave Aaron to the FBI is because they always wanted her. It's just, it, the whole situation is just very interesting i don't know and it kind of helps us segue into our next parture or our next parture english y'all um it kind of helps us segue into our next section which is about you know Lindsay's future and sophia's departure which we've already kind of touched on but you know chief lugo like we said he gives volta i can't talk now no more wine for gina when we do the podcast <laughs> chief lugo tells void that you know the board gave him the ultimatum either aaron goes or the unit goes and this is where Voight starts being a little shifty. Like I had said, he, you know, Aaron goes to see Bunny. Bunny's about to tell Aaron that, you know, there's a bigger thing at play here. She's about to tell her about the drugs. And Aaron's just like, you know what? Screw it. Just 
Bye. And she leaves, which is probably what any of us would have done. So I really can't blame her. But Voight goes to Aaron's and has her write down a list of Bunny's known associates, which he then gives to the girl from the FBI, which is why I think this is a little shifty because it was kind of all part of his grand plan. I don't know. But again, I get it. He, you know, without the unit, we have no show. I get that. Trust me. But it just kind of seems weird. So, I mean, it does beg the question that, you know, if if jobs were not on the line, gun to Voight's head, he has to choose between the unit and Lindsay. Who does he choose? Who do you guys think? I mean, I'd want to say he picks Lindsay just because Lindsay is his family. But then again, the unit is also his family. I really, I don't know. I don't know. That's because, a like, hard question. It's a really hard question because, like, it comes in two different, like, parts. It's, are we talking about it in the concept of, like, Chicago PD exists as a show? Because then, like you said, Gina, he's always going to have to choose the unit because without, if he chooses Lindsay, there is no show. If we're talking about, like, we live in this make-believe parallel universe Chicago that these characters exist in and he just has to pick and we're not thinking about the fact that there's a show that has to continue... I don't know. I'd like to think he picked Lindsay, especially because, like you said, like we've said earlier, his wife is dead. Justin is dead. Olive and his grandbaby are not in Chicago anymore. He literally only has Aaron. And so I don't think it's been very clear throughout these four seasons of Chicago PD that Voight, deep down inside, he's a family man. He cares about his family. He cares about the people that are around him. And so I have to think he picked Aaron. But then again, if we're talking about the fact that Chicago PD exists as a show, he's always going to pick the unit because without the that, we don't have a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ashley, Ashley, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think he would pick Lindsay if it wasn't for the show. But like you said, we need the intelligence unit for the show to go on. Right, right. It's 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 a catch twenty two if you think about it. It's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's just interesting. So, yeah, Voight hands over the list. Um, this Jennifer person approaches Aaron about a job offer. Aaron ends up accepting it on the condition that Bunny goes free. Because apparently in her eyes, Bunny has done no wrong. But what Aaron doesn't know is that Bunny is the one who shot Johnny. It just drives me crazy because Bunny gets away with it again. But whatever, like that's big, One big face palm right here. Just like... Yeah, but we've already touched on this. We'll just keep going. Yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. Um, and so we have this goodbye scene of sorts um, with. Well, wait, I want to backtrack before we get to the scene between Aaron and Voight. There is a scene after Aaron talks to Bunny and Bunny tells her that there were three drivers where Aaron goes to pretty much relay this intel to Jay. Little do we know that this is the last effing Linstead scene we will ever get. Just and it ends in such, times a thousand. It ends in such a horrible way because, you know, like, after she tells this information to Jay and whatever, she, like, goes to leave because she's not supposed to be there because she doesn't have her badge back. And, like, he pulls the ring box, like, out of his pocket slowly and he just kind of, like, looks at it. And I'm just, like, obviously we didn't know it was the last Linstead scene and it, like, broke my heart back in May when I watched this, but now I'm just like, that's the last thing we're going to have to remember this by, like this relationship by, is that like, he goes to pull the ring box out of his pocket and just kind of stares at it. Like, what the actual fuck? What is this? Who wrote this? (laughs) 
situation just sucks. It's just sad. It's sad. For me, I think the saddest moment will be at the very end when Aaron does not answer the call. Oh, that frustrates me. Oh my so god. We'll get, there, we'll get there. I know. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah. We. I. Mm. I'm just like clenching my fist right now. I'm just like ah. I know. <sighs> Whatever. So, anyway, that happens, and I only wanted to mention that because it's the last Linstead scene we will ever get, which just breaks my heart in a million pieces. But we have this sort of goodbye scene between Voight and Aaron, and you know. Aaron's just kind of telling Voight, yeah, you've always known what's best for me, blah, 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 which is true. I feel like Voight has always known what's best for Aaron. But then there's this really weird moment where he tells her, don't look back. And it just kind of minimizes everything else that happens in that scene. Like he gives her Justin's thumbprint dog tag to show him, that, show her that he's always there. That's sweet and all. But don't look back. Like, Really? Okay, I mean, Chicago has not been all that bad to her. Because, yes, her mother has screwed with her life. However, she still has Jay. She still has Voight. She still has the unit. So telling her don't look back just seems weird to me. I don't know how you guys feel about right. that. Right. Well, and it also, I mean, I wrote this. It's a little later in our outline, but, like, I'm still going to share it now because the support really needs to go. Is that, like, this whole thing kind of made me think of this moment earlier in the season where Aaron's kind of asked by someone, you know, like, what's keeping her in Chicago? And there's a question she never really answers, but obviously the answer is implied. Like, we know. Like, you just said, Gina, it's Jay. It's Hank. It's intelligence. It's her life that she's built in Chicago, you know. And sure, her life obviously hasn't been the easiest, and there's obviously a pretty good chance that, like, it never will be without these, like, bumps in the road. But it's a life that, like you said, like, she's turned her life around to be a fulfilling one. And it's a life that brought her in the end. Like, yes, in the beginning it sucked, but, like, it's a life that brought her so much good. And so for everything the bad that comes with it, you know, there's been something good to offset it. So why is she giving it all up? Is a fresh start really fucking worth it? Like, no, it's not. It is not worth it to me. I don't, there's never always going to be, every, wherever you are in life, there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. So is her life in Chicago, is the bad that exists in her life in Chicago enough to outweigh the good and I don't think it is yeah, I think I, it's going to be 10 times worse now that she's in New York in New York all alone and she's going to not have her support system to lean on because she did such she tried so damn hard to build that support system in Chicago and she's just up and leaving it she presumably has Olivia Benson but she doesn't have the reputation not reputation but she doesn't have like the 15 years of history with olivia that she does with Voight. you know olivia didn't raise her right you know Voight did and she doesn't have the love of her life who is back in chicago now so i mean we go on with the episode and everything and i'm gonna circle back to my point here in a second you know um she has the goodbye with hank it's really sweet and everything and then we cut to molly's and will's there atwater's there ruzik's there jay is there up everybody's there, there. Everybody's there. Um, Ruzik also texts or Ruzik also texts Burgess, which is like sweet little Burgess reference because she was on maternity leave. Marina was so oh, we like the little so great. Burgess reference there. Yeah, um, and it came from Ruzik. And of, of course, it was Ruzik. Yeah, so oh, I love it. I love it. So uh, Will just kind of catches Jay's face, and he's like, "She's gonna be here. Don't worry." And Jay goes outside. He calls Aaron. Aaron is perched on this bridge or something, just staring at the Chicago, uh, Chicago skyline. 
this just makes me insane. And the first time I watched this episode after I was done, I was texting you guys, but I also had my dog next to me and I turned and looked at the dog and I was like, she ghosted him. Why did she do that? And my yeah. poor dog just was like looking at me like you're crazy. What the hell? Yeah. No, the first time I remember when I watched it and like you see it, obviously, like she's looking at her phone and it says like Jay Hall said, and I would literally like scream at the TV. I was like by myself and I literally just like screamed at the TV and it's like, pick up the damn phone Aaron like I don't understand just pick up the damn phone oh so pissed I was so pissed yeah that's the last we have of it is that she looks at the phone and she hangs up this is the last like we have to presume that she just hung up the phone and then left for New York right so Jay was about to put it all on the line and she ghosted him she fucking ghosted him it drives me nuts (laughs) it just is not fair no, it's not, and it's—I'm never gonna understand it, like ever. I mean, obviously, it's a fictional character, or whatever. Like, I'm never going to have the chance to understand it. But even if it wasn't a fictional character, if this had been like an actual friend of mine, I'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're an idiot. Stop." Yeah, and if we were friends with both of these people, like we would have immediately turned on Aaron and been like, "I can't believe she hurt you that badly." Yeah. That's just so not okay. And I really that. That brings up a really good point. What do you guys think the rest of the unit's going to think about this whole thing? Because obviously they're friends with both Jay and Aaron. What do you guys think that, like, you know, someone like Ruzak or someone like Atwater, like, what do you think they're going to think about Aaron up and leaving and especially leaving their friend to be hurt and all and vulnerable and all these things? Especially if they found out Jay was going to propose. Like, do they even know he was going to do that? No, I think Will's the only one. So, like, if they find out that he was going to do that, it would be interesting to see. So, I think, oh, goodness. You know, I think Voight would be of the school of thought. He'd be like, no, she did what she had to do. Go back to work. Well, he Um, set it up. Of course he thinks that. Of course he does. Absolutely. That's the easy one. That's the soft one. I could see Rosewater just kind of talking about it behind their back. And then to Jay being like, that's so cold that she did that. I can't believe she did you wrong. And then when it's just the two of them being like, well, I guess I get it. You know, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I also just picture Rosewater being like, like being like little girls and then be like, you know, with their like covering their mouths being like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. And then to be like, 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 and then or like if he's like, they're like whispering to themselves and then like Jay walks in the room and then they're just like. They don't say anything, and Jay's like, what? What are you guys talking about? And they're like, nothing. Like, you know, like. Uh. Absolutely. And um, <laughs> Olenski would be the same as Voight. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, she did what she had to do. Shut up, move on, save your career. I would want to say that Burgess might take Aaron's side just out of their friendship, but I could be wrong. I, yeah, I don't know. That's an it's interesting just, it's question. Something I, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about it until you were ju- we were just talking about, like, friends and things. And I just, like, I don't know. I'll be curious to see. And I'll be curious to see if we get scenes like that, you know, where we do get to see kind of the unit reacting to Aaron. Just even, not even just, like, with the J part, but just, like, Aaron's departure in general. Like, I'm curious. Yeah, I want to see, see I want to see Jay lean on Antonio because Antonio, I want to see how Antonio is going to react because, like, he was friends with Aaron, too. They had, like, a cute friendship, so that will be interesting. But I also yeah, think absolutely. I would love to see that. My problem, I feel like, is that all this Aaron stuff is going to be dealt with in the first episode, and we're not going to see Antonio till the second. So, like, 
Antonio's gonna come in and he's gonna be like, oh yeah, Aaron's gone. Okay, now I gotta come back from being whatever the his, fuck his role was on Justice and be like, <laughs> I don't even remember what was what was Antonio? What was he supposed to? He be? was like he was an investigator, I think, like I a lead know. investigator. Whatever the fuck Antonio was doing on Justice and be like, yeah, like I mean, he's just gonna come in because we're not gonna see him until two, and then probably I mean, back in terms of being full on with the unit it's probably not even be till episode three and so well in episode one he's undercover oh yeah right yeah on that case in particular he's undercover because they need somebody who does not know anybody from intelligence and he doesn't know antonio's face so that's why they bring him in and that's how he gets his job back mm-hmm. see i missed i missed that from the description well either way i don't really in terms of being a part of like the intelligence unit again it might not be till episode three so like either way but i so i just feel like that's all going to be dealt with in one and antonio is not going to be fully integrated back into the unit until later on so like i don't think it would happen with antonio but i would love to see it because like you said ashley i think there was always something unique about the antonio aaron friendship um some i don't know what it was you know aaron just kind of understood you know she was always there with good with his kids and like you know all those just the those different things. And so I think it would be interesting to see how Antonio reacts, but I have a feeling we're not going to get it. Well, he yeah. is in episode two. Yeah. Antonio, because he's taking the lead on the case or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, he's we'll back see. for good. Yeah. yeah. He's no, back yeah, for good. Yeah. I just, I thought, my understanding, I could have been wrong. I thought it was going to take a few more episodes before he, like, actually became part of it, but I could be wrong. Right. So let's consider the alternative here. You know, let's say Aaron does answer that phone or Jay does get his proposal out. I'm curious what you guys would think. Would it be better for Jay to hear her say no or for him to not know at all? What is better for Jay? What do you guys think is better for Jay? You mean hear her say no, I think. To the proposal and then or for him her to just like ghost him like you said? Yeah, like if she did get her proposal out and say no, would it be better for him to know or to not know at all? Oh, definitely for him to know. Jay is someone, especially I feel like because he comes from this military background, everything has to have an order and everything has to be, you know, yes or no, like this or that, you know, whatever it is. And so he's just, he lives in that very rigid, like rigid structure of life. And so I think him not knowing is going to kill him. He's not, it's going to tear him up, you know. It's like he does with cases, you know, when he doesn't know something, it tears him up inside until he figures it out. And so he tends to take those kind of things personally or whatever. And I think, I think it would be so much better if he got to see no, or if he yeah, got to hear the word no. Yeah, and then if he heard that she said no, they could talk about it, and he could figure out why she said no, and if she was still on the show, but whatever. Right, and you know, I didn't really know the answer to this question when I typed it out in the outline, but hearing you guys talk about it now, I do agree that it would have been better for her to say no because. I think then Jay would have been able to close that chapter and move on. I mean, you know, he still would have been upset. He still would have been heartbroken. But I think then he could have just moved on with with an easier time. And not necessarily with no problem, but he would have had an easier time moving on. So I do agree with that. I do. Um, I did have one other question here. So, you know, Aaron just up and ghosted him. She didn't answer the phone. She presumably just left for New York without a goodbye. 
And just all of this put together, you know, there was a moment in 422 when Upton basically tells her, she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't want to mess things up. I didn't mean to kind of disrupt everything. And Aaron just looks at her and is like, it was probably time for a change anyway. And looking at how passive Aaron has been in the relationship in season four, it just begs the question, and this might be too dramatic from my standpoint, but I just wanted to throw the question out there. Did Aaron ever actually love him? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of think so, too. I think you're overthinking. I think that's, like, overthinking things way too much. Uh, yeah. I I'm, I don't even know what to say other than yes. Yeah. I think you guys, that last scene where she doesn't answer the phone, it just, like, hits me so hard every single time because it just – it's just so heartbreaking for Jay that I just immediately – I immediately put in the group text every single time. I'm like, why did she do this? Yeah, it's one of those scenes. So, I mean, that might, I think that's very well overthinking it. And the more I think about it now, yeah, she did love him. I mean, she actually said, I love you first. Right. And if I even think about the fact that she might not have loved him, I'm just going to like sit there and deconstruct every single major Linstead episode and be like, wait, was that actually a lie? Did that actually happen? I can't even think about it. Right. There's no absolutely way that she didn't love him. Right, right. I just don't think she maybe she didn't love him as much as he loved her i think i think you could make that argument for sure especially because like you said i mean she fucking ghosted him but i don't think you can't say that she didn't love him period yeah she did she loved him i think she loved him more at the beginning i just i don't know i just doesn't sit well with me that you know She's not the one to end the relationship when Jay's wife, quote unquote, surfaces back in the picture. And she's not even that pissed. She's just kind of confused about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it just kind of, it just sits weird with me that that's the case. I'm like, she wasn't pissed. It was Jay who initiated the breakup. She went with it. Kind of like on fire when Casey and Dawson broke up for like the first time. And Severide was telling Casey, you need to fight for her. Like, Aaron needed somebody there to tell her, go after him. Go get him. You know, tell him that you love him. Convince him that, you know, stay. Let's work this out. But I think that's just – it just sits weird with me. That's all. I also have two thoughts. So my first thing about how you just said that Aaron might have loved Jay more in the beginning – I don't even know if I would necessarily call it that. I think it was more just the fact that, like, Aaron was so intrigued by Jay because she never really, especially in terms of relationship, she never had someone, you know, who was consistently there for her, who was, you know, not going to just give up on her because she had a shitty past, like, all those things. So I think it wasn't even necessarily more that she loved him necessarily. I think it was more the fact that she was way more intrigued by him than he was by her. And because Jay obviously seems, you know, Jay's a, consistent guy you know yes he has his PTSD but like you know he seems to in terms of his relationships have had some kind of uh, clearly he was married he's had some kind of significant relationship before whereas Aaron it didn't seem had had that so I think Aaron was just way more intrigued by Jay than Jay was by Aaron off your second point about fuck now I don't even remember what I was going to say <laughs> I was so angry about um come back to me if I think of it I'll interrupt something we'll see and it's interesting that you bring that up that you think Aaron was more intrigued by Jay than vice versa because I think the opposite I think Jay was more intrigued by Aaron 
as evidenced by the maybe one day scene. Because, you know, he's the one who kind of like holds her hand and he's the one who kind of starts that. And Aaron's like, we can't. I think Jay was a little more intrigued by Aaron because in the pilot also, in the pilot, he's the one who brings up, you know, if I were to ask you out, would I have to get your dad's permission? Yeah. So that's interesting that you see that because I see it the other way. But I think it's, I think I see what you're saying and I think those are all valid points. But I think it's just more the fact that Aaron has never been, I mean, like even when she said, I love you, it's never been, Aaron's never been one of those people that's like outwardly flirty or outwardly, you know, shows her emotions, you know, and Jay, not saying that Jay is, but Jay's definitely more so than Aaron. So I think that's just why we didn't see it as much. But I remember my point. My point was about how you said that Aaron just needed someone in terms of like, you know, after they were on a break or broke up or whatever, to be like, you're stupid. Like you need to go get your man back. And I wonder if that would have happened had they not had your right Sophia Bush out of the show. Like, I really kind of curious to see how, like, those last, like, five episodes, after we learn about Jay's wife, like, how, I think that was in 17 or 18, whatever. 15. 15. Oh. Whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. It was somewhere around there. But those episodes after that, like, I really curious to see how the Lindstead storyline would have gone had they not had to figure in the fact that they had to get Sophia Bush out of there. Because I well, think- I don't think would they have known. I don't know. Like, when did she tell the producers and the writers that she wanted to leave? Like, how far in advance did she tell them this? Because right. I feel like all of our questions about Lindstead and the way that the end of the story that starting with Jay's wife episode, I feel like every episode after that, in the end, is gonna leads back to them having to eventually write Sophia Bush out of there. So I feel like she had to have given them some kind of clues because otherwise I felt like, yes, we already kind of saw like this weird shift and like maybe that wasn't their original trajectory from like 408 or whatever. I'm just picking a random earlier episode. But like, I feel like had they not, had she not told him it from like episode 20 or something like that, like it would have been a much more obvious shift from one path of a story to the next. And it would have almost been at, like, a 90-degree angle from, like, we're going down this path of a storyline, and then, oh, shoot, we have to write Sophia Bush out of here. Let's go the complete opposite direction. So, like, I feel like they had to have known some way so that they can make it not as, like, a sharp turn. But I don't know. I, I don't know. No, and it's interesting to say that as well. The email that we had had from Anna, she said the same thing, that the four or five episodes after we met Jay's quote-unquote wife, and I say quote-unquote because it's still weird to me, You know, she said that they were kind of messy and it's like they took a sharp left turn. So, you know, I think judging by what we've seen or judging by what we saw in those last couple episodes that it was, you know, a very short notice. But we'll never know. We'll never know. It's a mystery. And, you know, that's okay. Right. And I like to think myself, I like to think they had always planned to do Jay's wife because whatever. And like Lynn said, obviously can't be happy every season forever I get that you know that's just how ships work but at the same time I like to think that they all so they always had planned to do Jay's wife and have that be kind of the obstacle for Linstead but everything after that now that Sophia Bush is leaving I see is like they have to get her out of there like you could say Upton that's the whole reason Upton exists is because of Aaron needing to get out of there at some point like you could argue that like you could argue just everything that happened after that is because of Sophia Bush leaving 
Yeah. Um, we also we got a couple of emails this week and we got an email from a Jessica in California and something she had said about Jay and Aaron was something that you just said, Bryna, was that, you know, when things get good between them, something always seems to get in the way. But like you said, that's life. You know, without that, they get boring. And I'll circle that back to Dossie and I think season two, when they first first get together, they had to break up. They were getting boring. I mean, yeah, I just said that. Ooh. But, you know, that's, you know, they have to have obstacles thrown in their way. Otherwise, it gets stale. So, you know, yeah. I do understand that. It just, you know, I feel like it might have been short notice, but we'll never know for sure. I mean, we can speculate until we're blue in the face, but we're never going to know. I'm, you so, know. In my opinion, the writing was just terrible. Which makes me think it was short notice because they just had to do something as fast as they could. Yeah, like they threw it all together and just gave it to us kind of sort of yeah and yeah. i mean and we we had talked about this right before recording tonight was that you know we we kind of thought about alternative ways that she could have left um you know and, and that's not saying that the writers didn't do a good job of course they did i mean they're incredible at what they do but it's just the circumstances under which she left and how chaotic they were and how bunny wins again she's just horrible and she always like, her sole mission is to ruin her daughter's life it just We were just thinking of, you know, were there any, uh, like, less chaotic circumstances under which she could have left? And, I mean, if the circumstances were so dire, would Jay have proposed? I don't think he would have. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. This whole thing still just leaves me at, like, a loss for words. And we're four months after the fact that it happened and the show is getting her and come back. And I still sometimes can't wrap my head around this. And it's not right. because Confusing. I have two glasses of wine in me. <laughs> At a girl. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, I mean, and with, with this said, too, I mean, yeah, we are talking about that. You know, it sucks to have a character leave who you care about. But um, to bring it back to fire one more time. So uh, after season four, episode four of Fire aired, the one where Dawson loses the baby and the fandom was up in arms, um, Michael Brandt gave an interview and they had asked him, they were like, what do you think that the fans are all in an uproar about this? And he said, he's like, it's a good thing because it shows that they care. So, I mean, it just shows you that, you know, we care about these shows and we care about these characters. And that is why we're so up in arms about it because we care about these people, these fictional people, you know, that's just what it is. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it just, it's that we care. And I mean, also with what we've seen, the previews that are coming out and everything, I'm excited for season five. It's kind of a fresh start if you think about it. I'm really excited. I think the only, I'm really excited because, you know, everything everyone's teased and like it seems like just from all points it's going to be a strong, like it's going to be a really strong season. And I think my only problem is, in season four, we've all agreed. I think we all agree that season four might even be like one of the weakest seasons, if not the weakest season of PD. And that's even considering the fact that the first season is like, 15 episodes or something it's not even that long of a season um but I still think season five is gonna has is set up to be a really strong comeback I just really hope that you know we've heard we've all we've talked about this you know we've all heard the rumors that Rick Eat is not as he's in he's more intent on developing strong cases versus like you know developing strong characters and ships and whatever and I just hope that we don't lose that aspect of PD because I know we've all talked about this. Like, that is the reason we lo- we love PD. That's the reason we love Fire. That is the reason, on most cases, we love Men. 
And so I think if we lose that, then we're even just going to be more up in arms. And, like, that's not saying I won't enjoy the show, you know, because I do enjoy the cases and I do enjoy the fact that, like, yes, they are, it is a procedural, but, like, there's so many things that make it different every single episode that doesn't make it seem like it's in just this procedural format. But, like, I just really hope that season five and that the rumors aren't true and that we're not going to lose these characters that we love so much. Because then season five is going to be even more of a struggle to get through than season four was. And season four was a real struggle. Yeah, and the only reason that I think season four, I'd consider it one of the weaker seasons, quote unquote, and this isn't like the greatest reason in the world, but I can go back and watch any episode from season three and just sit there and season be completely three was so sucked good. in. Yeah, season, season three, three is my favorite season by far. And that's yeah, not and because and that's not because Lindstead gets together and they have a bunch of great moments. It is just it is a great season because I agree that is probably the season I go back to the most and watch all the episodes from. Yeah, and but season four, you know, I can only pick out a couple episodes here and there where I'm like, I love that one. I love that one. I love that one. But I mean, it, it, with that said, though, I mean, of course, I'm not going to be picky. Of course, I'm going to watch any episode of PD. I, I think I love that show. But right. Um, right. But For sure. I, and that's not. Yeah, I'm I'm going to keep watching it. It's never going to lose me. But like there I do have a little like I maybe like 10 percent like concerned but, like, I'm overall, for the most part, I'm very excited for PD. I'm probably way more excited about PD Season 5 than I am about – not saying I'm not excited about Fire Season 6 or Med Season 3, but I'm way more excited about PD Season 5 than I am about the other ones. Yeah, I, I Especially mean, after that promo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm so optimistic about season five. It really does feel like it's going to be a new show. And I like that they're going to reflect the real-life issues going on in Chicago. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, in my office, we have CNN on all day. And, you know, sometimes they'll talk about the Chicago Police Department and talk about the issues going on with them. And in my head, because, hi, I'm a huge nerd, the first thought I have is, like, well, intelligence doesn't do that. Intelligence <laughs> operates this way. Again, huge nerd. Hi. Um, <laughs> but it'll be good to see them actually tackle those issues head on and see how they handle them. Right. And I think this is something I've talked about with other shows and other podcasts and other articles I've written and stuff like that is, like, not even just in Chicago, but, like, just in the world that we live in now, I think it's really important. It's, like, you kind of want your shows to balance this fine line of, like, you watch shows to escape from all the horrible shit that's happening in the real world. So, like, you want to use TV shows as a way to escape and to kind of live in this bubble. But at the same time, you want them to acknowledge what's going on because that's what TV should be. You know, TV, unless you're in some, like, cartoon fantasy land or whatever, like, TV is supposed to somehow reflect real life. And so... Within, especially with the police department and just kind of all the issues that have surrounded the idea of police and community and in the past couple of years, like it's important that they tackle those things. And, they, and that's not saying PD has never done that because they have. I mean, we've had some really great episodes of PD where they do go in the community and there's issues and tension and all those things. But like it needs to be integrated a lot more than it has in the past because that's just real life. That's reality. That's what's going on not only in Chicago, but around the United States and even our, around the world. And so I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, yeah. Brenda, I feel like you and I talked about this this summer when we were in Austin together, but I'm of the same school of thought. It's 2017. There is crazy shit going on in this world, and I feel like our TV should reflect that. 
there's no reason we should be afraid to tackle these really hot button issues on television because it reflects right. what's happening in the world. Right. We did. We definitely did talk about it in Austin because that was something I talked a lot about with side note about Younger, which is one of my favorite shows and just the way they do it so subtly. And I'm not saying you have to come out and kind of in the way PD does, because that's just the, it's the obvious way for PD to do it with like the issues of police and stuff. But like, it's very important that even whether it's subtly or just outright, you know, that these things are tackled because it's important. And that's not saying that, like, I want it down my throat for 42 minutes every week, but, like, I want it to be there more probably than it has been in the past. Right, which is why, I mean, I'm looking forward to season five because it sounds like they're going to tackle that head on. Yeah, I am too. Very excited. All right. So is there anything else about 423 that you guys want to mention? Uh, This was a lot. Very drained after this. I know. I know. Ashley, anything? No, I think we covered it all. All right. Guys, we survived this episode talking about season four, episode 23. I don't know how. We did it. We did it. Um, Yeah. So next week will be the week before our show's premiere. Yay. So we will be talking about our wish list for season six and season five. Um, If you have anything that you're hoping to see, please email us. Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. Tweet us your thoughts. We're at meet us at mollies. On Facebook, we're the same thing. Meet us at mollies. We have an Instagram as well. Meet us at mollies. I think you're getting the hint here. Follow us everywhere. Send us emails. Send us your thoughts. We want to hear all of it. Um, I do want to add one note in here before we sign off. Um, Jessica, who had sent us the email earlier in this week, she attached a picture of her and her friend dressed as Casey and Severide for Halloween. So It's the greatest thing ever. It's so um, great. It's so great. Jessica, I know you're listening because you tweet us all the time and we love it and we love you. But like your costume is the greatest thing ever and I'm kind of inspired and maybe that's what I'll do for Halloween this year. Uh, I'm very inspired. Also, we had another email from a listener named Lauren and she gave us the greatest gift of all time, which is Mouse and Nadia fan fiction. It exists, people, and it's great. (laughs) I read it. It's great. It's a thing. I'm going to read it now that we're done. Um, Once we sign off, I'll read it. But I will post the link to this tomorrow. Like we said, follow us everywhere. Meet us at Molly's. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am Bryna K13. I'm going to spell it again, but hopefully we all get that hint. It's B-R-Y-N-A-K-13. And I'm at Ashnick095. Woohoo! So, that is our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Send us your thoughts. We will see you guys next week. Good night. Or, well, see you later. You get the gist. Bye! (laughs) Bye!